Guide us, O God, by Your Word and Holy Spirit, that in Your light we may see light, in Your truth find freedom, and in Your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And as I said, we're a reading from Exodus and a reading from Luke. Had a wonderful experience this this uh, yesterday. Um, this passage on my two minutes to share, I wrote on this Exodus passage last week, and it goes out all over all over the world. And so I got a note from somebody I didn't even know was reading it that I had met twenty some years ago, and he read my interpretation of this passage, which takes about two minutes, and he was so moved that he had to write me. And it was like, that is such, so touching. And, uh, and so um, I read this passage with, with new passion. But I'm going to give you the setting because many of you like that with my passages, these passages. So the setting is Israel has just gone through uh, the, the golden calf incident, you know, where they, they got bored and they went and melted down all the jewelry and made a golden calf. Okay, so, so it, it's, it's time for them to hear the Ten Commandments or truly what the Jews would say, the Ten Words. And it reiterated some fundamental covenantal Laws. So Moses had Moses had to encounter God in order to collect those ten words. And in this encounter, experiencing God up close on the mountain, he was transfigured of sorts, and he reflected God's glory. He Moses is not glowing; he's reflecting God's glory. So. That's where we are at this point in time in Exodus 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the testimony in his hands as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near. He commanded them all that the Lord had spoken, spoken with him at Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, or reflecting literally. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with God. We now move forward to the Gospel according to Luke. This passage appears in both Matthew and Mark. So three of the Gospels have this story. 
in this case, in where, where Luke is telling the story, the passage begins with Jesus going up the mountain to pray. When you hear those phrases, going up to the mountain to pray, it, in those days, you know, because most people were illiterate, in those days, those terms would cue you as to what is getting ready to come. And in Scripture, the term to pray often leads to a revelation. So when somebody goes to pray, often a revelation will come about. And prayer through the night may signal a crucial decision is, beginning to be, is going to be made at the end of this night or throughout this, in, in, the, in the context of this night. So we have here Luke 9, 28 through 36. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and went up the mountain to pray. And as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in the glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came over and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus found alone. Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. They told no one in those days. Told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. titled Thin Places. Thin Places. And my question for you is, where are our mountains of transfiguration? Where are our mountains of transfiguration? In the Bible times, high places were often where they put their altars, altar, often where they went to go dream, often where they would seek a revelation. And then much later, the pagan Celts and eventually the Christians would speak of thin places. Thin places. Where they, they, they too would erect altars and seek revelation. 
go there to dream. The Celts would say, and, and they are our religious ancestors, the Celts would say heaven and earth are the only three feet apart. Heaven and earth are only three feet, three feet apart. But in thin places, that distance is even shorter. It's fascinating that they would even think like that. Makes me wonder what the context, you know, what, what was it they had brought into their minds that, that would give them the feeling that, you know, there was actually a way to measure the distance between heaven and earth. Whatever it is. But, they, but in thin places, that distance is even shorter. Hmm. Mountains have become a figurative way to speak of those places we create for sacred encounters. Places deep with divinity. Maybe ten years ago, I went on a brief sabbatical to the mountains of Virginia. There is a camp up in the mountains near Harrisonburg, Virginia. And Massanetta Springs. And on my way home, I had to drive back through the ridges of the mountains in Virginia. And one ridge is called the Shenandoah National Park. And I'm by myself. And it's a really cold, early April, really cold, early April day. I don't remember the exact day. But I decided to take a diversion on the Shenandoah Parkway. And I headed north on the parkway toward Front Royal to give you some landmark. And I just was watching the mountains go by and watching. And I'm, I'm alone out there. It's snowing. I'm alone on the parkway. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful when it snows up there. And I, I noticed a pull-off somewhere about 10 miles off the interstate. And it's the pull-off for Bear Fence, Bear Fence, like Bear the Animal, Bear Fence Mountain. And it's snowing a little harder. And I had packed my hiking boots and my hiking stick and some very nice winter clothes. So I pulled off to the side all by myself, put on my winter clothes, put on my hiking boots, put on my staff, parked the car, put a note in the car telling people where I went, and I headed off into the mountains. Just me, my staff, my coat, and my boots. And I walked for about a mile up the side of this mountain. It's still snowing even harder. I get to the top of Bear Fence Mountain and it's jagged rocks that's, that project probably 10, 15 feet in, in the air. And I figured out the path on the side of it. And I start climbing the side of the rocks. And I finally, without falling, I finally get to the top of the rocks. And I throw a leg over the edge and I finally get up there and I find a flat rock and sit on it. 
there's no one anywhere around for miles and miles and miles. And I'm sitting on the top of this rock in a snowstorm. And you could almost feel God's presence. You could almost feel it. And then I realized why they climb to the tops of mountains to meet God. And I sat there probably a half hour and just watched winter weather go by. And I took some wonderful pictures. But I just sat there in the quiet. It was so quiet you could actually hear the snow falling. So I decided that I was going to climb back down and forgot that all my tracks were covered. I had to figure out how to get off that rock not knowing how I got up on the rock. So I stood on the rock and I walked around the the perimeter and I finally realized there was only one way to have come up and that's the way I went down. And it worked. And I got back to my car and it just felt different. The rest of the travel back home in Virginia felt so different because of having been there. Having, in some way, risked getting there. But the, 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 uh, the, the encounter of just being bare to the, the elements and trusting my own senses and then experiencing that feeling that I'm not alone. And I thought of all, when I was there, I thought of all the humans that had ever climbed that rock to find it as their altar or find it as their thin place. And I will never think of thin places again in the same way. Places of deep divinity. And they can be anywhere. Where are those places for us? Not all of you have the interest to go out and climb on mountains. Those places that invite us into the world between worlds, into that space between worlds. It's unlikely to be at our desk at work. Our thin places will be where heaven and earth come together. It's where routine liturgy, boring rituals of practice, boring ritual practices can suddenly catapult us into another world. I'll tell you how to create a thin place. A dear friend of mine has one scripture verse that he repeats over and over and over again. over and over and over again. At the same time, at the same place in his house, every day. And it's the routine, that that kind of stripping away all the craziness in my head and doing something that's just ritual, mindless, that you start to create that thin place. 
It's a meditation of sorts. And he feels the divine presence from time to time. It's not every day. Some days he sits there and goes, oh, that was good. And other days he sits there and goes, oh, wow. God's back. Boring routine can lead to life-changing encounters. People may wonder, why do I have you recite the Apostles' Creed and do the Lord's Prayer every Sunday? Because there is a comfort that comes in a, in a repetitive action at 10 o'clock every Sunday. And I do it. People go, well, why don't you... No, this is, this is my plan. To bore you into having that divine experience. After an encounter with Christ, and that's what I'm hoping happens someday, nothing is ever, ever going to be the same. In the words of David Burning, as it ever was. Talking heads, by the way. Are you searching for a thin place? It's closer than you think. And it's up to you. It's up to you. Surrender your restless soul. Christ has been waiting for you on that mountain. Where is your mountain of transfiguration? Where is your mountain of transfiguration? As I said, it's closer than you think. It's closer than you think. And now, to the ruler of all worlds, undying, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we have called upon Your Holy Spirit to illuminate the passage to inspire the speaker and prepare the listener for what You intend this day. Lord, it is our prayer that Your Word has gone out and that I've been a reflection of Your glory in this world. May we all be that way wherever we may go in a struggling world May we reflect Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.